Chapter 4 of Hints to Pilgrims. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jay Salem, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hints to Pilgrims by Charles Stephen Brooks. Sick Transit. I do not recall a feeling of greater triumph than on last Saturday when I walked off the 18th green of the country club with my opponent four down. I have the card before me now with its pleasant row of fives and sixes and a four and a three. Usually my card has mounted here and there to an eight or nine or I've blown up altogether in a sand pit. Like Byron, but oh how differently, I have wandered in the pathless wood. Like Ruth, I have stood in tears amid the alien corn. In those old days, only a week ago, but dim already, so soon does time wash the memory white. In those old days, if I were asked to make up a foursome, some green inferior fellow, a novice who used his sister's clubs, was paired against me or I was insulted with two strokes a hole, with three on the long hole past the woods. But now I shall ascend a faster company. It was my elbow. Now I square it and cock it forward a bit, and I am cured. Keep your head down, Fritzy boy, I say. Mind your elbow, I say it aloud, and I have no trouble. There is a creek across the course. Like a thread in the woof, it cuts the web of nearly every green. It is a black strand that puts trouble in the pattern, an evil thread from Clotho's ancient loom. Up at the sixth hole, this creek is merely a dirty rivulet, and I can get out of the damn thing. One must write, they say, as one talks, and not go on stilts. I can get out with a niblick by splashing myself a bit. But even here... In its tender youth, as it were, the rivulet makes all the mischief that it can. Gargantua, with his nurses, was not so great a rogue. It crawls back and forth three times before the tea, with a kind of jeering tongue stuck out. It seems foredoomed from the cradle to a villainous course. Farther down, at the seventeenth and second holes, which are near together, it cuts a deeper chasm. The bank is shale and steep. As I drive, I feel like a black sinner on the nearer shore of sticks, gazing upon the sunny fields of paradise beyond. I put my caddy at the top of the slope, where he sits with his apathetic eye upon the sullen predestined pool. But since last Saturday, all is different. I sailed across on every drive, on every approach. The depths beckoned but I heeded not, and when I walked across the bridge I snapped my fingers in contempt as at a dog that snarls safely on a leash. I play my best with a niblick. It's not entirely that I use it most. Any day you can hear me bawling to my caddy to fetch it behind a bunker or beyond a fence. Rather, the surface of the blade turns up at a reassuring, hopeful angle. Its shining eyes seems cast at heaven in a prayer. I have had spells, also, a fondness for my mashie. It is fluted for a backspin. 
Except for the click and flight of a preposterous drive, I know nothing of prettier symmetry than an accurate approach. But my brassy, I consider a reckless creature. It has bad direction. It treads not in the narrow path. I have driven. Good. For once I am clear of the woods. That white speck on the fairway is my ball. But shall my ambition o'erleap itself? Shall I select my brassy and tempt twice the gods of chance? No. I'll use my mashie. I'll creep up to the hole on hands and knees and be safe from trap and ditch. Has anyone spent more time than I among the blackberry bushes along the railroad tracks on the 11th? It is no grossness of appetite. My niblick grows hot with its exertions. Once, our course was not beset with sand pits. In those bright days, woods and gully were enough. Once clear of the initial obstruction, I could roll up, unimpeded to the green. I practiced a bouncing stroke with my putter that offered security at twenty yards. But now these approaches are guarded by traps. The greens are balanced on little mountains with sharp ditches all about. I hoist up from one to fall into another. What word, my son, has passed the barrier of your teeth? said Athene once to Odysseus. Is the game so ancient? Were there sand pits also on the hills of stony Ithaca? Or in Ortigia, sea girt? Was the deer wanderer off his game and fallen to profanity? The white-armed nymph Calypso must have stuffed her ears. But now my troubles are behind me. I've cured my elbow of its fault. I keep my head down. My very clubs have taken on a different look since Saturday. I used to remark their nicks against the stones. A bit of green upon the heel of my driver showed how it was that I went sideways to the woods. In those days I carried the bag spitefully to the shower. Could I leave it, I pondered, as a foundling in an empty locker? Or should I strangle it? But now all is changed. My clubs are servants to my will, kindly obedient creatures that wait upon my nod. Even my brassy knows me for its master. And the country seems fairer. The valleys smile at me. The creek is friendly to my drive. The tall hills skip and clap their hands at my approach. My game needs only thought and care. My fives will become fours. My sixes slip down to fives. And here and there, I shall have a three. Except for a row of books. My mantelpiece is bare. Who knows? Some day I may sweep off a musty row of history and set up a silver cup. Later. Saturday again. I've just been around in a hundred and twenty-three. Horrible! I was in the woods and in the blackberry bushes and in the creek seven times. My envious brassy, my well-beloved mashie, Oh, vile conspiracy. Ambition's debt is paid. One twenty-three. Now, now it's my shoulder. End of chapter four.